I get letters actually from state farm agents that are like, are you ready to insure your home? And I'm like, you're sending this to an apartment complex. I am in an apartment. Talk to me about renter's insurance and how that can help me get money to replace my bike that was stolen last month. <laughs> like these are the things that are personal to these people that you wouldn't know unless you're going out there and talking to them and make it personal. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Chris, on today's podcast, we have Tina Kay and Brion Griffin, co-founders of Clover Collective. You know, we've had an opportunity with Club Capital, Club Capital University to get to work with both of them over the last year, year and a half or so, and have just absolutely been a pleasure working with them. On the podcast, we've gone and talked about marketing in a lot of different ways. And today we're going to really focus on brand and brand strategy, some of the do's and don'ts. And we get into their four-step approach, which I think is going to be a game changer for insurance agency owners listening to this. Really excited. And we even say that a lot, that we're excited about this podcast, but we just have had so many interesting guest on the podcast over the last year or so. And I've been wanting to have Tina and Brion come on the podcast for quite some time. Chris, what are a couple things that really stood out to you in this podcast you think that some of our listeners are going to pick up? Number one, I'm super happy to have had them on the podcast. They were very brilliant and gave us a lot of granular insight on branding. And speaking of branding, you know, when agents are part of a larger company, let's call them captive agents, sometimes they think that they're limited to the guidelines that their parent company has. But after speaking with Bjorn and Tina, you really find out that that's all a mindset and that's it. You generally have to be like, yes, I am with this company, but here's who I am. Here's why I chose this company. And here's why I am uniquely qualified to actually serve you and your family as your insurance agent. So taking that approach and realizing that there's a lot more that you can do with your personal and your business brand than you think it's going to be very beneficial to you. Once again, very excited for the podcast, super thankful that they were here. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Are you capitalizing on recent rate reductions? Are you looking to grow your business in 2021 and beyond? If you are listening to this podcast, I'm going to bet that you are. How many times have you heard you need to know your numbers? But what numbers do you need to know? Most agents know how many sales their team made last month. They likely know how many quotes their team did and maybe even how many calls they made. But do you know how much money it takes to acquire a new customer? What lead sources are the most profitable? Are your internet leads making you money? What is the ROI on each marketing dollar you spend? Do you even know where to start? If not, our partners at DirectClicks have created a free tool designed to help answer those questions. Whether you are spending $500 a month or $10,000 a month in marketing, you need to know your numbers and this tool will help you do just that. Using this free tool, you will finally know which marketing sources provide the largest ROI so you can invest in your business the smart way. Spend 10 minutes once a quarter and input 20 simple numbers, numbers that you already know, and you will turbocharge your sales team 
by spending money where it works. You can find the link for the free marketing ROI tool in the episode notes wherever you're listening to this podcast and also in our weekly podcast email. I highly encourage all of our listeners to check it out. I use it personally for my agency and it has made a huge difference in my business. Tina and Brianne, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It definitely is a pleasure to have both of you here. I know that you guys know Micah, who is our co-founder here at Club Capital, and we've been working with you for quite some time. So thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your knowledge with us. We're excited. We're excited. So over the last, I guess it's been the last year or so when I was first introduced to both of you, it's just been an absolute pleasure to work with you with Club Capital and Club Capital University and get to know both of you on a more personal level. But for those that don't know either one of you, why don't you just start off with a little bit of both of your backgrounds and origin stories, which is where we always typically start most of our podcasts. So people get to know a little bit about you personally and how you guys came to actually develop Clover Collective and where that vision came from and kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, happy to. I'll kick us off and then Brion, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, so I went to art school at Savannah College of Art and Design. So design is kind of in my blood. I've lived and breathed it for many years at this point. And I've kind of worked across all the different major sectors. So I've worked in healthcare. That's actually where Mike and I met. And then I've worked on the agency side of the house. I've worked in finance. I've worked in government services. And now, obviously, we've got Clover. And I'll let Brion tell you a little bit about her. And then we can talk about like how Clover came about, too. Yeah, so I actually studied journalism in college, um, went to here at UT in Austin. And my job in college, though, I was working on the web team for the local PBS station and was like, wait, this is what I want to do with my life. I don't want to be a journalist. So after I graduated, I kind of became deviated, really made a really swift turn into more of the creative side of things, taught myself design, took on a bunch of freelance work, did a bunch of classes to kind of get my feet in there. And now Tina and I were talking the other day. I'm like, I feel like I never had a life before I was in the creative world. And I've worked at PBS headquarters in DC. I've worked at smaller like federal employment law firms on K Street and then also in finance, different places. But yeah, I feel like Tina's more kind of the strategy side of things. Like she's really strong in that and in branding. And I'm a little bit more like the creative execution UX type of person. So it's really good because we met each other at a job that we both had in DC. And I think we both thought, realized that, oh, we both have these complementary skill sets and we really enjoy working together and we get a lot of stuff done really quickly and efficiently and we should partner up and do something. And that was kind of the beginning of Clover. And as we started to talk about that more and more and just observing through hiring agencies at a large corporation, the quality of work that we were receiving was just bottom of the barrel. And we would take all of this work and have to spend hours and hours fixing it. And if we went back to them and said, hey, this isn't what we want. We've been telling you, make these edits, improve this. They're like, sure, that'll be $50,000 more. (laughs) And we're like, no. (laughs) So we both were like, clients deserve better. And that was what we founded Clover upon is that we see our clients as partners and we like to embed ourselves in our clients' teams, which is 
good to hear from you guys. You feel like you've really gotten to know us over the year because that's really important to us. And we want to make sure that we really understand our clients and we're delivering the best quality work for them specifically. One thing that I'm curious about, why the name Clover, actually? Yes. So there's a couple of reasons and Brion jump in if I miss anything. But one is that Brion and I both have this like personal affinity for clovers. It's kind of inexplicable. And we both discovered it randomly. Brion was showing me a design that she was working on. It had a clover in it. I was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. I have necklaces with clovers on them. I have earrings. And it's just been kind of a symbol for me. And then we also, as we were building out, what's the foundation of our strategy and our philosophy? And it was this four-step approach. We're like, well, well, how wonderful that it kind of maps out to the four leaves of a clover, right? And so it just came together very serendipitously that it all worked out as something we both have a personal association with and that it also plays with our four-step approach. When I hear the war brand strategy, it's something that I've heard in many places from Ty Lopez talking about it on Instagram to like people just discussing marketing and branding in general. So can you elaborate on like what exactly is a brand strategy and what that means for an insurance agency owner today? So basically brand strategy can include a lot of different things, but it's basically your brand is so much more than just your logo and your colors and your website. It's kind of all of that plus your mission, what you stand for and how you show up in the marketplace and differentiate yourself from others. So it's kind of building all of that in addition to your visuals. And especially in today's world where social media is one of the main outlets that people see your brand, your visuals are really important because the best way to communicate on those is visually, obviously. So through your imagery that you choose, if you choose really stock looking images, people won't take your brand as seriously as if you have really sleek looking designs that really resonate with your target audience. And with insurance agents, one of the things that we have been talking with Bradley about is that it's difficult being an insurance agent for a company like State Farm or Allstate because you're really limited in how you can customize the, you can't customize the logo. It's basically their logo plus your name. So you don't have a lot of space to be able to kind of build out your own brand visually there. But we would introduce on the other side, your brand is so much more, like I said, than just your logo. So you can say, yes, I'm an Allstate agent, but I specialize in insuring first-time homeowners in the suburbs of the DC. And this is my niche market. And here's why I'm specifically qualified to help these people. And here's how I've shown success. And here are some anecdotes of how I've been successful in this area. Tina, is there anything you want to add? We can actually talk through the four steps We'll have a worksheet that we want to point people to at the end of the show here. But I think one of the key things there, Brion mentioned, you know, if you can't change the logo, let's say you can't change the visuals, the colors are set. Let's say you get a templated website, right? But what are the things you can do? And that's the story. And really, I think that goes back to our philosophy is that we believe that the best brands, the good ones, aren't on more than just data. They're built on more than just results. Those things are important. But it's the story that you tell. It's the way that you bring your specific niche audience as the hero of that story too, right? So you see a lot of brands that are like, we do this, we do this, we do this. This is what we can bring to the table. And it's like, well, wait a second, your actions. And what do you help them do? How are they the hero of their own story? What do you enable them to be able to solve? And so taking it, kind of flipping the script a little bit to make sure that you're not the hero of that story, but also 
bringing that storytelling to life. So why did you become an Allstate agent? Everyone knows Allstate, State Farm, like, I know why those are important. I see the commercials on TV. I know like what they stand for as a company. What do you stand for as an individual? And so I think that that's where you can really get into that differentiator as an individual agency owner. And one of the things too that we're also talking about on this same point was how you can use that brand recognition to your benefit. So basically, if you created your own small insurance agency, you would have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on all different types of channels to build up some kind of brand recognition, even just locally. And to get to the place where these all state and these state farms are, it would be millions and millions and millions of dollars. So use this to your benefit and say, yeah, I am a state farm agent and this gives me credibility because X, Y, and Z. And this is why I chose this agency over all others. Oh, by the way, meet me. Like then I am this, but I'm also so much more. And here's how I can help you because not only am I this agent and this is what I am, but here's also who I am. And that's where you get more into this storytelling side of things. And both are important. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents. So we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll and HR solutions, tax services, analytics and more, Let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Yeah, so as you well know, we talk about mindset, skill set, tool set with Club Capital University. And so my mind immediately goes to the mindset of if you think, well, we're so limited, we can't create our own logo versus what can we do? Because what you were just saying there is saying, no, I'm going to leverage my national brand, the company that I represent. And then under that, I'm going to then be able to say, okay, now this is who we are. This is who our agency is. This is who we target. I think that's a mindset thing. Because if you have this limiting belief versus, I think Michael Hyatt calls it a liberating truth to be able to say, no, let's actually use that. But then we are going to differentiate ourselves from not only competitors in the marketplace, but maybe even other agency owners that represent the same brand that we do. That's really important, which leads me to a question. From a national perspective, your national carriers, of course, are going to have to present a message that they're open for everybody. But at a local level, maybe in the trenches for the local insurance agency owner, that's not always the case. We were talking the other day. Obviously, there's agents that are listening to this podcast that are in very, very small towns, very rural, very local, small town USA. There's other agency owners that are listening to this that are in Seattle, Washington, D.C., Austin, Texas. And then there's suburban agency owners. Why is it important that we should focus on who we want to attract, who are dream clients or ideal client avatar is. What does that look like and why is that important for us to niche down into that? A couple of things. One, it's important because you can't be all things to all people. 
we have kind of a saying in the brand world that if you're trying to reach everybody, you're reaching nobody. And so it's really important to get specific because your ad dollars are going to go further. Your messaging is going to go further. And I will tell you, I think sometimes to talk about the mindset shift, maybe those agents that are in those super small towns might think that's such a limiting factor, right? And to shift that mindset, it's actually could be a really big benefit. And here's why. I guarantee you, you know more about the people in that tiny town than the agent in Seattle is going to know about the people that are in their demographic, right? Like you actually know them. You might be related to some of them. You like walk with who your best friend in the morning. You have coffee with Joe on the corner. You go get lunch and you see Betsy every day, right? Like you know those people. And so you can get really, really specific with the story that you're telling and the problem that you're solving for those people in particular. So I would challenge those folks, especially in the smaller towns, to flip that too and say, hey, this could be a really big benefit to me because I know them so intimately. I really know the problems they're struggling with and what this means to them and how I can uniquely solve that problem. And by the way, one of the things that's been on my list of the reasons I'm the most qualified as opposed to Joe up for agency is because I know you people, right? Like I am one of you. I know you. I think that's something that Brion and I have brought forth in some of our marketing for our own agency is like, we deal with a lot of smaller to medium-sized businesses because we are you. We understand the struggles of running and starting your own business. And so we really enjoy working with founders and smaller business folks just because we get it, right? Like we've been in the trenches with them. So I think that that's super key when you think about telling the story is you can really dig in. We actually recommend to people to like get out and do some interviews with folks, obviously in a non-COVID world or when it's safe in a safe way to get out and like actually have conversations with people that are in your key demographic area and say like, hey, what are you struggling with? Just take people Mm -hmm. for coffee, Mm -hmm. ask them some questions to really get to understand what is it that they're doing so that you can come back to the table and kind of write out like, here's the stuff I heard. How am I uniquely qualified to help them solve that problem? And that's one of the big things too that I'll reiterate from before that Tina and I kind of base our whole thing around is that you aren't the hero of your story. And it's so hard to get out of that mindset and flip it to where you should be completely focused on your target audience and their needs. Because I know for a long time, it was hard for me when I did like advertising sales. And I would come to these meetings with these potential clients and be like, we have this ad, we have this ad, we have had this, like, this could be the click-through rate you get. This is impressions, this, this, and they're just completely overwhelmed because you're just throwing all of this at them and you're not listening to them. And so with Clover, we really have focused on training our clients. And what we do as business owners in our own right is you start with them. You sit down at the table and you say, hey, what's going on? What are your pain points right now? What are you struggling with? If you had more time on your hands, what are a couple of things you wish you could do? And then that kind of cuts through all the sales mini thing concepts and gets right to the more human emotions. And they're like, yeah, I really wish that we could sell more online, but it's just such a headache and I can't figure out how to set up our Shopify page. And so we can say, okay, this is how we can help. And then you bring in, here are some case studies of projects we've worked on similar to this and the success that we've been able to get for them and always bringing it back to the client. It's never about you and the awards you've won. If they ask, like we put our bios in our pitch decks and on our website and people can read that if they want, but it's more of like, what have you done for me? And that's how it should be because when you position yourself as 
I'm this, I'm this, I'm that. We've done all these things. They see you as more competition. Like, well, why is it all about you? When you focus on them and you really make them see that you're not just like everyone else, that's when people really open up and they trust you and they want to work with you. So from a regular perspective, if you're in an urban area and renting apartment complexes are just everywhere, then obviously the majority of your brand strategy is going to be about focusing on those apartment complexes renters policies versus if you're in a rural area and there's not an apartment complex within 30 miles, I mean, that's pretty obvious to say, well, we're going to have a homeowners as opposed to trying to be everything for everyone. So working with realtors and then at the same time, trying to work for apartment complexes in your area. Now, the reality is most places are going to be probably a combination of the two. I get that. But to what you're saying is, is to be able to tell well, number one, decide yourself as the agency owner, but then also make sure you communicate to the team. We here at this agency focus on apartments and renter's insurance as opposed to homeowners. Does that mean that you're not going to write a homeowners? Of course not. Of course you're going to, but you do have to understand your demographic. And to your point that you said earlier, if you're for everyone, you're for no one. I'll add to that too. When we talk about your audience, I think a lot of times we talk about demographics, right? So those are the hard things like age, race, religion is sometimes in there, gender is usually in there, right? Like, so what are those things? But we also really, really harp on what are the psychographics of your audience? And I think that's something that can be really easily overlooked. So what are these people thinking about? To your point, people that live in a very rural, small town are probably struggling with thinking about dealing with things very differently than someone who lives in a very urban area, right? And so knowing the mindset of the people that you're talking to so that you can dig into, again, it goes back to what problem are you solving or helping them solve? Yeah. And off of that too, when you're talking about who you are and the specific niche you serve, audience you serve, I feel like it's often tempting to say covered 80%. We've insured 80% of renters in urban downtown Austin and the 78704 zip code. And 80% of them have needed to use their policy within this year or something like that, that people don't really connect to that nearly as well as if you had said, like always wrap your story in an anecdote. So say when Kelly's apartment flooded earlier this year, she was so scared that she was going to lose everything. And she had so many priceless objects, but because we had set her up with such a comprehensive renter's insurance plan, she was able to recoup all of that stuff. And seeing her go from feeling like she had lost everything and being so devastated to realizing that there was hope at the end of the tunnel is why I do what I do. And because of that, we have insured X number. So like you can add in those facts, but always start with that anecdote to really pull people in and be like, oh, they care and give them an anecdote that they can relate to and be like, oh, I don't want my apartment to flood and I don't want to lose everything. I have all of these family heirlooms or to really hammer that home. And that's one way specifically that insurance agents can really differentiate themselves from each other by using all of those different stories from their own experience as an insurance agent and the people they've been able to serve. You know what this reminds me of? Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've watched a lot of his videos, actually. He's wonderful. His TED Talks are fantastic, too. He's got some great books, one named actually start with why. And of course his TED talks. So basically he says like, if you want to be influential, like you have to forget about 
what you actually bring to the table and not forget in the sense like don't bring anything to the table but he says focus on like why focus on like the person across the table essentially and like you're here to serve them like ask them questions as far as how you can help them rather than simply say i am blank 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 you know like i am this i am that i am this and, and it's like okay but how can you actually help me like that's so true and honestly i might offend some people by saying this but this is to your point about being the guy you're not the hero really gets into when people are choosing their insurance agency owner, they don't care how many times you've made your annual company incentive travel. They don't care what level that is. I mean, that's a thing. I don't even know what that means. They don't even know what that means. They don't even know what that means. And quite frankly, I heard somebody say this once before. They said, well, you know what? If they see all that, then that just shows you're a good salesperson. And they may actually feel like it's like, oh, this person's going to try to sell me something, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like internally with the companies you represent, it's obviously incredibly important. And there's some pride there. And I get all of that. I mean, I get those intrinsic motivators. We've talked about intrinsic motivators on the podcast a lot. I get that. Okay. But I'm saying outwardly to the customers, they don't care. They don't give two, you know, what's about it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true across a lot of brands. You see a lot of them do that. And I think smaller companies are uniquely qualified to be able to really hammer this home. Again, I think it's another reason Brion and I really like working with smaller companies. It's like you have the ability to tell these stories in a way that gets so personal and really direct. Whereas these larger companies start to use jargon that you're like, I don't know what that means. That literally mm-hmm. means nothing to me. And I don't care. Are you going to be there when like, you know what hits the fan. That's what I care about. (laughs) Yeah, I would say like a person who overuses it might think that they sound smart, but really they're just confusing people. So I would say stay away from jargon. Mm -hmm. Acronyms. Yeah, acronyms. Like just get down to earth and actually have a genuine conversation with the person. And if you can't help them, then like so be it. But like make sure that whoever you're working with, they're actually getting value out of you and they're not just Mm -hmm. a number. Like you actually care about them. And like you're saying, small business, especially insurance agency business owners are uniquely positioned to actually make that connection with the person. So thank you for sharing those insights. But moving on a little bit, going back to branding, people often talk about a business brand and a personal brand and like these strategies around both. How should an insurance agent think about that as far as their personal brand and their business brand? I think that it's something that you can... You both need to think about cohesively and also separately. So when you take your different marketing channels, so social media, on your personal social media, I would keep that separate. So keep it separate from your business account. And on your business account, you want to be focused on specifically what are your tactics? Who is your audience telling those stories? That's more about sharing like why you're different, why people should work with you, your like culture, what you believe in, that kind of stuff professionally. On the other side, your personal account should also represent you professionally and in a good light as well and not be completely off the boards there. But I would say that I think it's kind of like we touched on earlier how you can have your professional brand. And when you don't really have a lot of leeway to be able to change your logo and the state, you're kind of wrapped up in the whole state farm image. That's where you really focus on personal branding. And like we said, with these insurance agents, they really need to be focused on their personal branding. And that's not a logo. It's the storytelling. It's what they stand for. They can write their own mission statement and their own core beliefs for their agency and say, this is who we are. Yes, we're under state farm, but specifically, this is what we stand for. This is who we are. 
this is what we strive to do. Here are our customers who we know really well and have these great relationships with. Oh, by the way, would you also like us to insure you? It's kind of like the why, how, what. Yeah, the sign yeah. connect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I love a good step-by-step approach. So I'm really anxious. I want to get you all to share your four-step approach. But before I do that, in my head, as I was hearing you talk, I've mentioned this before, but there's so many hats. One of the real challenges of being an insurance agent is there's just so many hats that you have to wear in your agency, which is really why Club Capital University exists is to help people run the business end of their business. But if you think about it, okay, there's the obvious, effectively the CEO role, the COO role, the chief sales officer role. I call it one of the new titles is Chief Reminding Officer, CRO. I mean, there's so much, your CMO, your CFO of your agency. It is incredibly complex, all the hats that you have to wear. And you're literally trying to take one hat on, put the other hat on constantly throughout the day. And whenever you first were sharing your background and origin story, you talked about the interplay just of the complementary characteristics and skill sets that you both bring. I mean, Tina, you being very strategic in your thinking and then Brion, you're really creative down in the execution. Of course, I've seen that firsthand working with both of you. What would you say to that business owner? And then go ahead and share your four-step approach after this. But what would you share with that business owner who's listened to this and says they're very strategic, they think high level, but maybe they get really caught in the execution, in the creative phase, which is very understandable. I mean, they say, okay, I got this idea, but I actually cannot, it's just hard for me to bring it down to the ground and actually execute on some of these things. How would you share that with them whenever they don't have a co-founder with them? It's not like there's two of them together. Yeah. Not to sound too self-serving here, but that's where folks like us come in. You know, I think a big part of owning your own business and running your own thing is knowing what you don't know. Right. And so I think you have to get really crisp about what are the things that are your strengths? What are the things that you know, top to bottom? And then what do you not know? And I think that list should be equally long and you should really do some digging there. And then you go out and you find experts in the field who are built to help you with those things. Right. And so Brianna and I, I think, have drilled down, what are the things we don't know? And where do we need to go get folks? And so finding that balance and reaching out to those people and being able to admit and raise your hand and go, this really isn't my thing. Here are the things that I do know and bring to the table and share those with those experts, but ask them to lean in and help you in those moments. That's why we love doing what we do. We want to come to the table and as Brianna said earlier, partner with our clients and say, hey, tell us your subject matter expertise. We're not for instance, insurance agency owners, like we're not going to know the ins and outs of that. But what we do know is how to build a brand. Let us help you do that and bring your side to the table as well. And one thing off of that too is, which we went through this exercise with Club Capital recently, is when we did this brand architecture workshop where Club Capital has its main umbrella brand and then has Club Capital University, Club Capital Tax, all these different sub-brands. And we needed to figure out the correct architecture so that they all relate to each other well, relate up well, and it's all visually consistent. And One of the things when we were going through that workshop that Bradley and Micah said was, it's really good to have you guys as a third party come in and kind of help get us out of our heads because we're always zoomed in so close on this stuff that having someone come in and say, hey, I know you're getting caught up, like you said, Bradley, in the execution and you're kind of just like stuttering there. Bring in someone who can say, hey, we're going to 
come at this with our proven framework. We're going to guide you through this in a meaningful way. And we're going to be kind of the ones that help zoom out and look at this holistically with research back steps for how to find the best path forward. And I'll add to that too. I think it can be really hard to Brion's point to step back and go, oh, am I using jargon? Am I saying things in a way that would actually resonate with people who don't know this and do this every day? Sometimes you don't know that. And especially your peers and the people that you're talking with about your business are probably other agency owners, right? And so you can get really into the jargon and the nitty gritty. So it's nice to have folks that don't know insurance that can dig in with you and go, I don't actually know what that means. And I guarantee you, your audience won't either, right? And so bringing those things to mind for you that maybe you just are total blind spots. Yeah. Yeah, there's two things that come to mind here is this was mentioned, I think, in Scott Great's podcast. He was talking about stories. It's a thing that's kind of come up a few times, and it's really kind of brought to my head just the importance of having like a story inventory that you know, but then obviously your team knows to be able to say, hey, this is how this particular product or policy has actually impacted somebody's lives. I mean, if you have been in business, had your agency at least a year or two, starting out, You may not, but maybe you can borrow somebody else's stories. But if you've been an agent any amount of time, you have stories that have been incredibly impactful. I mean, that's the part of being in that industry is that you're going to have stories of policies helping people out in some really, really difficult times. The second thing is I'm going to link this article. There's an article. I think it was a Harvard Business Review article. Brion, you were mentioning about zooming out. I think the article title is Zoom In and Zoom Out, right? The importance of actually zooming in at times, but then there's times that you actually do need to zoom out. So I'll make sure we link that in the show notes. Okay, so share with us step-by-step, what's the four-step Clover Collective approach? Okay, so as we were talking about before, this goes into more how you can specifically as an insurance agent, how you can brand yourself and focusing on that personal brand while maintaining the state farm kind of halo or all state halo. So what you need to start out with, number one, is ask yourself these four questions. So who are you and who are you talking to? Who are the people who you want to serve? And how can you talk to them? And this is kind of where you get into your personas and mapping those out and thinking about who is my ideal customer? Who are they? What do they care about? And really thinking about that and digging into that and listing out, like Tina said, not just demographics, but also psychographics about these people. And there can be several. You can have up to four personas as long as they're all really targeted and specific and clear. So that's number one. So number two is what's the problem that you're helping them solve and how are you uniquely qualified to help them solve it? And so again, not saying these are the products or these are the policies that we bring to the table, but these are the problems you've told us you have. Here's how we want to help. And really getting crisp with that. Like, what is the problem? And Bradley, to your earlier point, you can't be for everybody. So what is the one, maybe two problems you really want to dig into here? And a way that we think about it is, keep asking why. And once you can't ask why anymore, you found it. And so that's a really good tool. Like it feels too kind of wishy-washy and a little too up in the clouds. You can keep drilling down with that question. And once you don't have an answer to that question, you've probably found as deep as you're going to get with that and can be a really crisp way. Every piece of marketing you build from there on out, every line of copy on your website, even the way you write your emails internally can really be informed by that. Does it really true back to what's the problem we're solving and how are we uniquely qualified to do it? 
And also just a reminder for everyone who's listening that we will have a worksheet that you can download in the show notes so that you're able to go through this and write down all of these with little tips along the way. So number three is how can you make it personal? So like we were talking about before, everything business is about human to human interactions, dealing with people, people work with people that they like. How do you connect to people? How do you kind of fast track that more human connection is by making things personal and by adding emotions and personal stories in addition to facts to kind of set it against a backdrop. But you want to start out with these personal stories like we talked about that really resonate with people and connect with them, plus some facts to kind of back up everything that you're saying. And then also just finding out what's personal to your audience. So if you're working with people in downtown Austin, like my apartment, I don't care about homeowners insurance. It's completely irrelevant for me. I get letters actually from State Farm agents that are like, are you ready to insure your home? And I'm like, you're sending this to an apartment complex. I'm in an apartment. Talk to me about renter's insurance and how that can help me get money to replace my bike that was stolen last month. (laughs) Like these are the things that are personal to these people that you wouldn't know unless you're going out there and talking to them and making it, make it personal. And one more thing on that too, is just who are they and what do they care about? So again, like specific problems that your specific audience are facing and how you can show up as the guide to help steer them towards success in all of those areas of concern. And then the last one is how can you reach them where they are? So is your audience on Instagram? Is Facebook the right answer? Find out where they are and show up there in a meaningful and consistent way. To Brion's point, pay attention to where you're sending your marketing channels. Even if it's a DM piece, you know, direct mail, if that's your channel of choice, great. Pay attention to where you're sending them. Get really specific to meet them where they are with the problems that they have. That's awesome. Okay. So go high level just real quick. What are those four steps? And I love the fact that they're all phrased in the form of a question. The brain cannot ignore a question asked to it. So it doesn't surprise me as good as you are or what you do that that four-step approach is laid out as questions, but just go real high level what those four steps are again. And then of course, we'll make sure that we tell everybody exactly how they can get that. Again, we study a lot of psychology for exactly that reason. I think the question format is super important here. So who are you? Who are you talking to? What's the problem you're helping these people solve? How are you uniquely qualified to help them solve it? How can you make it personal? That's where those stories come in. And how can you reach them where they are? Anything before we get into Ena and rapid fire questions, this has been fantastic. Anything that we did not cover regarding just brand, brand strategy for the business, for the agency, or even personal that you feel like that we needed to touch on? I think we hit everything. I think we covered our talking points. Yeah. You ready for the world famous Ena and rapid fire? Let's do it. Let's Let's do do it. Last book that you read. Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow by Danny Kahneman. My book was The Book of Lost Friends. I don't know who it's by. It's a novel. Tina, is that a good book? I've wanted to read that book. Oh my God, it's so good. And Danny Kahneman is one of the very small handful of psychologists to win the Nobel Prize for Economics, which just makes him one of my favorite people ever. I think I'm going to put that on my 2021 book list. I read 36 books a year. So I think that's going to be, I don't have my whole list out. I got like five or six I'm definitely going to read, but I think that's one I'm tired of it being recommended to me and me not read it. Okay. In that case, what book would you recommend the most to others? 
Grit by Angela Duckworth. I would say the design of everyday things. It's such a mental exercise. I feel like it. it's one of those books that changes the way I see the world, which I love. And it's one of those things where they say, if you are walking into a door and you push instead of pull, and you're like, God, that was so stupid of me. I'm so embarrassed. But it had a handle when it was a push door. So the user experience, the person who designed the door set you up for failure. It's not actually your fault. It's bad design. Or when a product is not immediately intuitive, it's not your fault as the user, it's the designer's problem. And so that really guides everything that I do as a designer, but then also just the way that I see the world and the way that I kind of assess my everyday encounters. If there was a movie made about each of your lives, who would play you in that movie and why? Okay, I would hope, this sounds a little self-serving, I would hope it's Charlie Theron, because A, I think she's gorgeous, but B, she's an amazing actor. Like she is just wonderful. She really gets into a role. I feel like she does her research and she's always really like captivating. I would say, I would hope it would be Blake Lively. I just think she is so charming and so sweet. I have such a girl crush on her, but then she also is this wonderful person. She's really good at what she does. She has an amazing marriage. She just seems like such a healthy, well-rounded person, which is what I aspire someday to get there. <laughs> uh, the Gossip Girl. what things do you do every day that you wish could be automated brushing my teeth and making coffee the coffee thing for sure yeah i wish that like i could wake up to information like coming in already like i feel like i have to do stuff to like read or i wish it was just like automatically transferred into my brain it would free up so much other time (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) When we're able to get on planes again safely and travel around the world, which my goodness, I miss doing that so much. I miss traveling so much. Anyway, makes you grateful for the times that you have been able to travel. Anyway, so you're sitting on an eight, 10 hour flight. You can pick anybody dead or alive that you would sit next to on that flight, who would you choose and why? I think I'm gonna pick Stephen Dubner from Freakonomics. I find him such an interesting individual. I listen to a a lot of podcasts that he does and he just has such an interesting point of view and he's so balanced in the way that he approaches a problem or a question. He might be one of the most thoughtful people. That's my quick answer. I'm sure I have a better one deeper down, but I just love him. I would probably say Chris Cuomo. I just think that he is so smart and can talk about so many different topics where like it wouldn't be like, okay, you can go really deep in this one area. And then two hours later, we're like, okay, we talked about everything there. I feel like there would be so much to talk about across so many different topics. And then also, I just like, Anyone in my life, Tina and I have talked about this so much that my number one trait I love about people is when they can make me see the world differently or think about something differently. And I feel like every time I watch one of his segments, I'm like, oh, that was a really good gem. Let me rewind that. I want to hear how he explained that again. That was a really thoughtful way. Definitely sometimes he gets way too into his opinion, I'll say, especially as a former journalist. Um, That's not the best, but definitely, yeah, would want to talk to him. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Pizza. I love pizza. 
literally like every single time I order out, it's always pizza. I could never get sick of it. I would say buckwheat soba. I was in Japan a couple of years ago and we went to Kyoto and there's this little tiny shop with a guy in the back that like hand grounds the buckwheat and makes soba noodles right there in the back. And I just ate plate after plate of that and the memory of it just brings so much joy to me. When you started the business, when you both decided we're going out, we're going to do our own thing, fill in the blank. I never knew this part of business was going to be so taxes. hard. <laughs> I do my own personal taxes and I was like, it can't be that much different. It's a pain. It's such a pain. <laughs> I have so many questions all the time. We're constantly calling our account and being like, this is a dumb question, but I have to ask it because I don't know where to find the information. <laughs> Yeah, and that's again what we were saying, why you need to hire these experts. And I absolutely agree with Tina. And that's why we shopped around. We actually fired our first CPA because we were like, hey, you're not explaining this to us in a way that we understand. And we're sick of having to like keep asking you the same questions over and over. And so also like with any outside third party agency partner that you bring in, like that's important. The relationship is important and feeling like they care about you and they can answer questions in the way that you understand understand what's something that i would never guess about you i love to sing i was a performing arts minor in college and so singing is one of my like favorite pastimes oh yeah i do box with my trainer every week and you love texas football <laughs> yes <laughs> i know yes. that <laughs> i mean keeps it's up religion with... here in texas <laughs> well listen i know that being you know an auburn yeah person auburn there, so yeah I... I get that. At the time of the recording, Texas just hired their new football coach and Auburn hired a new football coach a couple of weeks ago. So, hey, we're excited for the I future. I feel like the last time Texas was good was when I was a senior in high school and I got sold a bag of <laughs> junk. So, you know what? We're due. We're due to be on top again. All right. It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast after all. What is the best piece of the leadership advice you've ever been I given? I would say care more. The people who... I respect the most in leadership and the people who I think stand out the most in any job that they have is those who care the most. And I think that people think it's cool these days to be like, I'm out of my remaining Fs or like, I just gave my last F. And it's like, no, that's not actually cool. And that shouldn't be celebrated. I think that the best piece of leadership advice I ever got was care the most, care more than everyone else. That's a really good one, Brion, and I would add to it. As a leader of teams, I've been a leader of many teams. I try to hire people that are smarter than me and better at the job than I am. I think that that's something that I learned early on in my career from someone I really admired. And he was like, I want to be like the least smart, least talented person in the room. If I hired a bunch of people that I thought I was higher on the totem pole than they were, then I'm not doing my job well. And I think it can be easy to let your ego get in the way of that, but it's not how you're going to have the most successful team that's going to do the best work. It has been great having you on. I was excited. I've wanted to have this podcast with both of you for quite some time. Somebody listening to this wants to know a little bit more about you and maybe how you can help them in their agency. What's the best way for them to get in touch yeah, with you? Yeah, you can check out our website. It's clovercollective.com. 
If you enjoyed the insights that we shared today and found them helpful, we also have a blog there that you can check out. And we're going to have a worksheet with the four steps that we talked about that you can download and take away as a bit of a tool from today's talk and do a little bit of your own work. But you can always reach out to us there. Also, if you mention this podcast, if you reach out to us and and are interested in our services, we'll give you 10% off of your first engagement with us. So a little perk for your listeners there. It's been great having you on. I hope to be able to have you on in the future and talk about maybe there's a lot of other topics we could have gotten into about marketing tactics and even execution. So I hope to be able to have you back on in the future. Yes, thank you for having us. Bradley, I would say that that was one of the funnest zoos that we've had on the podcast and definitely hope to have them on again. One thing that I loved about speaking with them is how they use the same philosophy that one of my favorite authors uses, which is start with why, which is Simon Sinek. Anytime that you're pitching a product or yourself to a potential customer, you really have to forget about essentially all your accolades. Like when you simply are trying to sell somebody and say, I'm this, I'm that, et cetera, clients could care less about that. They care about how you're going to protect them and their family. So if you start to care more about the client and essentially ask them, hey, how can I help you? And present them with stories of how you've helped other people in their position. That's going to take you a lot further than once again, just trying to sell yourself and sell yourself and sell yourself. So that's the one thing that I really walked away with. One of the things I thought was important where they talked about how they're complementary between their skill sets with one another and how that's obviously difficult to have that. You can't be everything as a business owner and going out, there's a concept with strategic coach. They talk about who, not how, and being able to find those who's in your business that can help you if it's creating that brand strategy, if it's execution, who is the company or the person that you need to be able to hire to help you in those areas? I think that's really, really important. I love their four-step approach and the fact that it's laid out as a question is obviously really no surprise there. We talked about that. So I love their four-step approach. They're good people. They're good people. And I've really enjoyed working with both Tina and Brion. They've helped really solidify a lot of the messaging with Club Capital and Definitely reach out to them, go to their website. They've got an incredible blog, put out a lot of free information and definitely take a look at the download that we'll have. If you're not getting our emails, make sure you go to club.capital forward slash podcast, sign up. We'll notify you every single week about our podcast. Hey, and finally, want to give a shout out to our friends, Matt and Maddie Jones. Uh, hey, it's the beginning of the year. Big focus on marketing. This is whenever you've set the goals out for your year. How do you know whether or not your marketing is working for you? Make sure that you use the free tool that Direct Clicks has put together for you. If you're getting our emails, you'll be able to click the link. It's also in the show notes. Make sure you click on that free download to know whether or not your marketing is working for you. It's so important to be making an investment of at least 5 to 8% of your gross revenue in marketing. But it's not enough to just spend without knowing whether or not it's working. What lead sources are working for you? What do you need to spend more? Where do you need to spend less to make sure you can actually begin to get the leads and convert those leads into sales? The free tool Matt and Mazzy Jones have put together. Make sure you click in our show notes on the marketing ROI tool, or if you get our emails, the link will be there. Chris, until next time, lead well. And stay classy.